Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Resolute Square. There was also maintained what was called an enemy's list, which was rather extensive and continually being updated. Where I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? The women with the least likelihood of getting pregnant are the ones most worried about having abortions. On January 6th of 2021, you had tens of thousands of people peacefully protesting. No, it's not a right-wing conspiracy theory. It's not QAnon. It's real. (laughs) I'm Rick Wilson, and this is The Enemies List. My guest today is my dear friend, longtime colleague, former Republican exile like myself, Tara Setmayer. Welcome to the enemies list. Rick Wilson, it feels so weird to be on your show now. Usually it's you and I, I on our show, The Breakdown. I know, you know? On, our, on, on the award-winning breakdown, yes, or soon yes. to be award-winning. I like to call it award-winning just because everybody gets awards for everything now. That's, well, <laughs> yeah, but people like our show, so they watch it. and People you know. do like our show, folks. Yes. Thursday nights on YouTube exclusively, you will find The Breakdown, brought to you by LPTV of The Lincoln Project. Tara and I started doing that in 2020. We've had... We took a few months off here and there during the course of the last couple of years, but but we're back uh, we're back now to, to a regular broadcast again, and people like it. They get a lot of good information out of it. They get a lot of sort of our take on the news and take on things. And so today, I wanted to welcome Tara to the enemies list so we could talk a little bit about our take on where the state of the race is right now, good and bad. And to talk a little bit about the doomed Republican primary. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, is there really any good <laughs> other than there, like, yeah. you know, not on the Republican side anyway. I mean, it's good that we have Joe Biden, who is a good and decent man and doing a great job as president, actually. But the Republican side, there really is no good. It's like at that point where it's dead, but it's too dumb to lay down. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a Tallahassee expression. It's a Southernism. Yeah, Yeah, I I will say it's Southernism. We would say something different in Jersey. Of course. (laughs) That fucking guy's in the road. He's stinking. (laughs) Let's talk about the Republican primary first because it's so easy. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. They all want to pretend Donald Trump doesn't exist. And they are all sort of grinding their way down to the very end of the campaign now. Because although we're only about 30 days out from the first contests at this point, nothing's really changed, has it? No, nothing. I, I Donald Trump is still up, what, 50 points for the most part everywhere. Pretty much, yeah. And you still have Republicans other than Chris Christie, who doesn't have a shot in hell. You still have the Republican primary challengers going after each other and not Donald Trump. So it's just they learned absolutely nothing from 2016, nothing. And it has been the greatest reality show for second place. It's ridiculous. And every single one of these debates that have happened, uh, yeah, okay, Nikki Haley probably won most of them. She's doing all right, you know, but 
Nikki Haley's going to Nikki Haley, where she does something really good. Like we're talking for as Republicans, right? This is sure. none of them are good, right, but right, right. In in context here, she does something good. She shows like, oh, okay, maybe she could be kind of sorta. And then the next day. She reverts right back to the wishy-washy, uh, she's going to qualify her statements here. Well, I didn't quite mean that. Or, well, you know. No, look, it doesn't matter that Nikki Haley got the Koch Brothers Network's donor money. It doesn't matter if she wins Iowa by some Hail Mary miracle. None of this matters because Donald Trump, not only is that so much far further ahead than anybody else, we really, we haven't seen a front-runner status like this ever. No, and not, that's not number one. While. Number two, the primary system has been rigged in his favor. This is where the word rigged actually does apply. Mm-hmm. They rigged the primaries. The Trump, pro-Trump people inside the Republican Party started this process. As you know, Rick, we've been talking about this, the Lincoln Project, for two <laughs> years now. They started to rig the process as soon as he lost with the state and local chairman who set the primary rules. So laying the predicate for him, if he ran again, which you all knew he would, so that he could win winner take all. The majority, like 99% of the Republican state chairmen are pro-Trump people. So before, you used to have some proportional representation in some of them, right, in some of the primary states. Now, virtually all of them are winner take all, and they're all run by Trump people. So as you have said before on air, I have said this, by Super Tuesday, Donald Trump will have won over 50% almost of the delegates. It is an insurmountable lead at that point, short of him dropping dead. So all of this stuff that that the Republicans have been doing in the primary, trying to act like it's a normal horse race Republican primary, has been all for naught as long as they have not gone for him straight out of the gate. It's it's a, an exercise in futility here, people. I've written about it. You and I have talked about it for hours and hours and hours. We've 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 gone back and forth on just how no everyone is caught on the wheel of history, and they will not get off because they will not learn the lesson that you have to attack him. You can you you can never kill the monster if you never try to kill the monster. Right. You can never take out. The threat, if you don't pretend, if you pretend the threat isn't even there on the stage. Yeah. I mean, I wrote a piece for The Economist today. And it's just so like. So fancy, Wilson. These people. Getting fancy. I, I, I felt very fancy. <laughs> I felt very, I felt very, very, very posh. But the piece I wrote was like, these people on the stage, they're hoping for this like one last flicker of attention. So, so what? So Vivek Ramaswamy can be the secretary of commerce. So, you know, Ron DeSantis can can go back to Florida with his tail between his legs and try to sh- sh- preserve some shred of dignity before he gets – I mean, look. That ship is I sailed. took it hard in 2016 when Trump blew Jeb and Marco the fuck out of the primary. Yeah. But here's the thing. He's going to beat DeSantis in Florida. Worse. By numbers that are cataclysmic. I mean, uh, the, the numbers that I was ha- talking to somebody last night who's very knowledgeable of like the, the the feel of what's going on in the Florida legislature right now. And these people, like everyone that endorsed DeSantis, they're all endorsing Trump or they're leaving DeSantis to endorse Trump. They're about to gut this guy. And when he comes back with no more political juice. Is he going to become like a, you know, a spokesperson for heel lifts or what? Like, I mean, I don't know, but, do? you know, uh, I, the, my friend asked me, he's like, you think he could join the Lincoln Project? I'm like, no. 
<laughs> no, I got, I got, I got to, I got to draw the line on that one. I got a no, a no, no douchebag hiring policy. Right. I was going to say, no, yeah, no, but, but no, it's, you know, but I think that, I think that really defines the state of the Republican party, right? It's these people are delusional and, and whether people believe this or not, and we've been trying to beat this into them, all the bad shit Trump is saying right now, it doesn't make him a weaker candidate in the Republican party. And none of these people that are criticizing him, except maybe Chris Christie. I think Chris, I think Chris will hold the line. Yes, I, I, I well, look, I would hope so for fuck's I sake. I hope he reps your state appropriately and holds the line, you know? Look, I used to like Chris Christie, right? Who you know? didn't? I, I was like, okay, all right, Christie. I mean, Bridgegate was a hiccup. That, it wasn't okay. But, but I was like, okay. If Chris Christie, I I put a lot of the blame on Christie also. He's one of the people that I believe could have stopped Trump in 2016 if he had focused his energies in the right place instead of going after Marco. He should have gone after Trump with that same level of vim and vigor. And I think we would be in a different place because people need to remember that Chris Christie was one of the first mainstream, like moderate Republican normie governors to endorse Trump. And that was a huge momentum shift for Trump because at the time people were still like, I don't know. And, and, you know, by every time someone like that endorsed Trump, it gave a permission structure for the others to go, all right, well, if, I mean, if Christie can go along with it, then I guess we can go along with it. I place the same level. Well, I place the same level of blame on people like Kellyanne Conway. Because Kellyanne, who I knew for years, she's unrecognizable now. The, the the body snatchers came and took the Kellyanne Conway that I knew away a long time ago. If she would have said no and walked away from Trump after the grab him by the pussy comments during the campaign in 2016, I firmly believe that that Donald Trump would not have recovered, that a lot of the Republicans would have been would have seen the opening to say, that's it. I can't do it. Because if she would have as a woman, as a mother, and just as a decent person used her influence within the party to say, this is where I draw the line. I think it, it would, he would not have recovered from that. But she stayed. So that gave those other Republicans the permission structure to stay. And we all know what happened after that. So, you know, I think that those were inflection points that could have changed this. And, and I think, I think Christie actually was a big unlock also for Trump to raise money off of Wall Street. Oh, yes. 100%. And a lot of those people, a lot of those people that didn't that didn't want to be with Donald Trump, didn't like Donald Trump, didn't didn't want Donald Trump to be president. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they felt like, okay, if Chris Christie, whose wife right. worked but for Goldman, was like, oh, right? yeah, or Chris somewhere. is vouching for him. He'll keep yeah. him in line. Yeah. And that was one of the one of the biggest betrayals of what he claimed to represent. 100%. As a governor who ran and and again, this is this is how long Tara and I've been doing this. We come from an era where there were popular moderate Republican governors all up and down the eastern seaboard. Yes, in blue states where they where no other Republican could win, um, we had people who were um, New York. Yeah, who who were New York, Vermont, Massachusetts. You had I mean, congressmen it, it, from the yeah. Northeast. Now there, I don't think there's one Republican congressman in New England. You have to get to Long Island before there's a Republican congressman, I think, at yeah. this point. Yeah. And folks, that's not a compliment. No. I believe that, that one-party states and one-party systems are bad, and whether they're Republican or Democrat, I think you need the dynamism. But now, you know, Trump's essentially – there's no dynamism there. There's no – there's no mo- mo- motion there. They're all MAGA all the time. All and the, the time. handful of them that that don't play the game all the time, 
they they feel like Sauron is watching them, and the and the minute they feel like they're being watched, they'll go after them. Great Lord of the Rings reference for those who <laughs> did not know. I've been to New Zealand, by the way, and what just as a quick aside. I, I love Lord of the Rings and I made my husband watch the trilogy before we went because he had never watched them because I knew, right? I knew we were going to filming locations and one of the locations is where Sauron's tower was, you know, obviously CGI'd, but it's in the it's in the uh, town of Glen Orkey or along the Dart River. We went fun yakking and I'm like, I was nerding out. I'm like, this is where Sauron's tower was. And my husband was like, <laughs> oh my it. God. So anyway, <laughs> just an aside. Oh my God, that's amazing! Though yeah. I have never been to New Zealand. Oh, it is an. I have never been. I've got to. I've place. got to get there. I've got to get there. It's one of my bucket list places. Like if we, if if Trump wins again and we have to escape, we have to abscond the country. It's either Italy or New Zealand. I do have friends in New Zealand. Me too. And uh, and if this friend is listening, she'll know who she is when I say. Your $28,000 table is better than Elon's $11,000 table. <laughs> or, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Let me not, not dollar figure. Let me rephrase that. Your 28 million year old table is better than Elon's 11 million year old table. There you go. It's, if, if my friend is listening and I know she does, she will get that joke. She'll get it. She'll get it. Yeah. So Tara, let me say this. We we're talking about the Republicans like they all fall into line. Why is it that the Democrats just can't goddamn do this? Why, what are you why, asking me why for? Is it in, I didn't grow I up know, in that. I know, but it's December I and they're know. still bitching and moaning. Now, I think there's some motion in the right direction, but I still yeah. don't feel like there's like that. Frankly, and people say fanaticism is a bad word, but they need some fanaticism in their in their hearts right now. They need to get on this train and like be all in for Biden. I don't know. It frustrates me every single day. Oh, me too. I mean, you know, look. You and I come from Republican world where people have heard me say this. I think they've heard you say this, the, the phrase where Republicans fall in line, Democrats have to fall in love. And we, you know, that falling in line, when we used to joke about that, I mean, to now the, the lockstep comments have a little bit of a different connotation. Yeah, thank Oh, <laughs> uh, my God. But, but that idea of rallying around your principle no matter what, and that level of unity and message discipline it means something in politics, right? Repetition creates reality. And Republicans are really freaking good at that, for, for better or for worse, unfortunately. Democrats, on the other hand, are always worried about offending people or making sure, you know, this one's heard and we're going to focus group that and well, what about this? Listen, guys, Fuck all that shit, okay? You have one em- one enemy, one goal, one purpose. This should be easy. There should be no deviation from what the end goal is here, and that is to defeat Donald Trump again because nothing else matters. Marginal tax rates don't matter. Whether progressives get Medicare for all or not doesn't freaking matter because you're not going to have a system left to govern and to legislate through our normal democratic processes if Donald Trump wins again. I don't know how to make this more clear. The guy tells us every single day, whether it's on his truth social bullshit platform or whether it's at his batshit crazy rallies every weekend, he tells us what he's going to do. And so do his acolytes. They have a whole plan. It's called Project 2025. They've written Mm -hmm. it down for fuck's sake. Democrats, Believe him and his people when they tell you they already tried it once. Why would you risk, even risk the possibility 
of complaining about Biden being too old or complaining about you didn't get an, you didn't get student loan uh, um, forgiveness or he didn't do enough on climate change. People, none of that matters if Donald Trump wins again. So so you so you think that it's OK to punish Biden. You're not punishing Biden by not voting for him. You are punishing yourselves and the rest of us if Donald Trump wins again because you are throwing a temper tantrum. Your point is exactly right. And I can't understand why they don't get this. It's like, I didn't get what I want. I didn't get enough in the Inflation Reduction Act to reduce the carbon parts per billion by this to that. Okay, guess what? When you get Donald Trump, you know what you're going to get? 5,000 new fucking coal plants. It's not It's not a choice of the best versus the good. It's the good versus the cataclysmic people. And it's like, oh, my God, my college loans didn't get forgiven. Well, how about this? Oh, my God, you're going to a fucking camp. Correct. Don't believe us. But listen to him. He said that we're not making this up. Somebody today in USA Today took a poke at us and said, how dare the Lincoln Project compare Trump to Hitler? Oh, like, did they? I missed that. Oh, 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 <laughs> I, I compare Trump to Hitler? Well, maybe if he'd stop being such a fucking Hitlerian bitch, I would stop comparing him to Adolf Hitler. Maybe yeah. if he wasn't wrapped up in, in a in a Using Hitler language. Right, performance art every day. You don't want people to call him Hitler? Okay, I'll cede the point. Hitler had normal-sized hands. Trump does not. But the rest of it is that is that Trump's language, affect, promises, and system of governance that he is guaranteeing he will bring forward is in fact dictatorial. And if you're going to look for a good example of dictatorial madmen in the 21st century, well, our recent hundred years produces a couple and Hitler's a really fucking good one as a reference point. We are not the only ones saying this. Historians who study this for a living, who teach history, are making the same comparisons. We're not just making them up out of whole cloth. Donald Trump is doing things and emulating speech and behavior very similar to Mussolini and Hitler. Just read Ruth Ben-Ghiat's book, Strong Men. She's a friend of ours. She's, I'm sure, yep. have you had her friend on? Friend of the I'm show. Sure yep. Yeah. And I mean, her, a lot, some historians, you know, like it's boring. They draw on about stuff. No, no, no. Her, if you just want a quick and dirty and an easy read, her book lays it all out. Oh, yeah. And I'm telling you, mm-hmm. the parallels are scary. We don't, you think we enjoy making these comparisons? Right. We you, think, don't. you think I want to talk about Hitler all the time, people? You think I want to talk about authoritarianism? Because Tara and I are on the fucking list, guys. No kidding. We're, we'll I mean, be the first fro- frog march out of our house thrown the in list. the camps. Of course we are. Of course we are. And and you know what, though? That doesn't deter us at all. At all. It's all an intimidation tactic. And we say, you know what? F you. Defending our democracy from these 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 forces is worth the risk for us. Meanwhile, though, our Democratic friends are bitching and complaining about Joe Biden being too old. Like, we have to put this in perspective, guys. I would much rather have the guy that's a little old but has wisdom, experience, is respected by the world, uh, respects our Constitution, loves his wife, loves his family, and loves this country with every fiber of his being than the guy who has a not neo-Nazi fetish who wants to tear up the Constitution, throw people who have a difference of opinion into concentration camps, wants to shut down the media, calls them the enemy of the people, and wants to put his cronies into office so that they can be the retribution 
for his whimsical, narcissistic, maniacal, lunatic fucking ways. Let's see. It's a pretty easy choice for me, people. I'll take the old guy. Yeah, call me crazy, but it seems to me like the old guy with the stutter versus the old guy with the Hitler fetish. I'll take the old guy with the stutter every day. Although, look, and I say this to people like, is Joe Biden old? Fuck yeah, he's old. Joe Biden's old as dirt. But Donald Trump's right behind him, and Donald Trump subsists on a diet of filet fish and Big Macs. Exactly. Less healthy. Less healthy. Joe Biden is actually in really good shape. He can ride a bike. He, he can, can ride a he bike. Can, you know, he can actually go for a walk with his wife, who he loves, and they don't despise each other. Like, you, you know, he doesn't subsist on the, the diet of a, of a 10-year-old. Trump hasn't convinced anyone in the last 60 years that he's athletic or healthy or svelte. The guy hasn't seen his junk for the last 30 years. I mean, but uh, I don't this think is like, I don't think what shape he's in. I don't think Melania matters. has either. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> but let's let's talk a little bit about the state of the of, of the race, Tara, just just as we wrap up. I don't want folks to feel like Trump is unbeatable because he's not unbeatable. I want him to understand the consequences of letting him win because they're extreme and terrible. But it's not, this is not a, a choice where, you know, we're facing this unbelievably powerful enemy. The guy is still a fuck up in a lot of ways. And his campaign still has a lot of challenges going forward. What do you, what's your read on the state of the race? If we, if we do everything right on our side and the president's party comes behind him, what's your feel on the state of the race at that point? I, I think that as people start paying more attention and they realize that it's a binary choice again, like it was in 2020. I feel very good that there are more people like us than there are of them. They are a very loud majority, a minority of people who um, do things that that get attention and the good and decent people are going about their normal lives and not living, breathing this this shit every day the way we do. So when it comes down to it, I, I do feel pretty good that the American people are going to do the right thing. I, I don't think they're ready for a dictatorship. However, that only works if people realize what's at stake. And it takes what we're doing, those of us who have a platform, to continue to demonstrate what's at stake, making the comparison. It requires the Biden campaign and his surrogates to make sure that they explain why the American people need to make the choice, they need make the right choice. And also, I think the media plays a huge role in this. I think they've been incredibly irresponsible the way they've covered this so far. And it's um, the horse race, traditional, conventional way of covering, you know, how many caucus chairs are going to get out in, like, in, in Iowa and in 99 counties and, you know, Bob Vanderbilt. No, okay, look, guys, none of that matters. Start treating Trump and naming him for what he is, identify him as the twice impeached, disgraced, um, 91 count indicted former president. Like, stop just calling former President Trump. You know, like, oh, well, you know, he's he still has issues with the for, with the 2020 election. No, he tried to stage a coup and wants to use the military to squash protests if he wins again. Like, stop normalizing this guy. And I, I and I will not stop beating that drum with the media as long as they continue to cover this as if it's some normal horse race because that impacts people's behavior and their view of him. Most people don't live and breathe this every day like we do. Average folks have normal lives and they watch, you know, a headline here or there and they see things. And if they keep hearing that Trump was just former President Trump and that that he's like not facing serious 
charges and that he was, you know, a disgraced person who tried to stage a coup, then it normalizes this. And that's what worries me the most. But I think once it's become, once it, people understand it's a binary choice and it's going to come down to only five or six states, folks, that's it. It's going to be close again. There is no room for apathy. There is no room to go, oh, there's no way that crazy guy wins again. Yeah, there is a way. There is a way. And if the election were held today, he would win. So folks, if you don't remember anything else we talked about today, remember that you, we, me, you, everyone listening, we are responsible for our democracy. Democracy doesn't defend itself. And every single one of us, plus our extended family and friends needs to make sure they're engaged. Otherwise, the other guys, they are they are engaged, they are out there organizing, and they are very motivated. So you, we, we have to be just as motivated and then some to, to defend our democracy or else we'll lose it. Absolutely right. Tara, you are, as always, a wonder and a delight. <laughs> you will, I look forward to having you back on the show soon. Anytime. Thank you so much for your time today. And I will be talking to you on the breakdown uh, in uh, just a few days. Of course, Mr. Wilson. Anytime, anything for you, my friend. Thank you, ma'am. All right. Appreciate you. We'll see you again soon. Returning fan favorite, and by favorite I mean loathsome, uh, Mike Johnson. Turns out, according to Liz Cheney's book, that Mike Johnson told Kevin McCarthy and other Republicans during the attempt to overthrow the 2020 election, that he knew what he was doing when organizing these legal briefs and organizing these these attacks on the election. He knew it was unconstitutional and did it anyway. And the more we find out about Mike Johnson, the more loathsome and horrifying he becomes. But in this case, I think it's really important to understand that the Speaker of the House of Representatives was involved in an illegal and unconstitutional coup attempt before January 6th, much before January 6th, he was involved in an attempt to replace Joe Biden, the duly elected leader of the United States of America, with Donald Trump. It was unconstitutional. He knew it, and he admitted it. The fact that he holds the speakership today is an outrage. The fact that Kevin McCarthy knew about it and didn't speak about it is tells you all about Kevin McCarthy. And the fact that Liz Cheney's finally reporting this out is a sign that the rot inside the Republican Party that she's reporting about right now in her book and telling us the truth about in her book, that rot goes so deep. There's nothing conservative left about a person like Mike Johnson or Kevin McCarthy. There's nothing conservative about trying to overthrow a free and fair election. There's nothing conservative about being engaged in something you know to be unconstitutional when the one oath you swear as a member of Congress or as someone who works for the United States government is not to Donald Trump or the presidency, but to the Constitution. So for that, Mike Johnson is once again on the enemies list. Thanks again for listening to the enemies list. If you have any comments, questions, or if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, hit me up on Twitter at TheRickWilson. Thanks again for the wonderful support you've shown the pod. We're growing fast. It really helps if you will share this with your friends, your family, and anyone else who, like us, is trying to save democracy. While you're at it, if you could rate and review the podcast, I would be very much appreciative. I know this is the sort of thing you've heard a billion times. Please rate, review, like, blah, blah, blah. 
but you need to do it. It really does help us a lot. We are slaves to the algorithm, my friends. And if you do this, it will help get the pod out further. Anyway, thanks again for listening. I'll see you next time. And remember, whatever you do, stay off the list. <laughs>